I, I think the problem is that um, you know the my Christian friends have gone into the closet over the last twenty years and have are hiding their faith. They don't want to offend or don't want to do damage. So they're not identifying with Jesus or doing anything. But that's the greatest damage you can do, actually, is going silent. Silence equals death. Silence equals the death of witness. There's, there's no opportunity for people to have any positive impressions of what Christianity is if you somehow are just trying to model something and not being verbal with it or not being forward with it or not being invitational with it. We need to live invitational lives yeah. and invite other people in because, man, this is... Too good to hoard to ourselves, that's for sure. Welcome to Be One, Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. Evangelism can make some of us feel anxious. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know the answer to a question? What if evangelism was more about the relationship instead of getting your point across? On this episode, I talk with my friend Peter Trotman about evangelism. Um, I think also you live in New York City, mm-hmm. and as I have, long as I've known you, you've loved New York City. Mm-hmm. You're from there. You embrace it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's this beautiful place. Yep. But not everybody has that um, mm-hmm. image of New York City. Mm-hmm. So I would just love to hear how do you feel God has really grown your heart for the city? Yeah. Oh, man. The city... I'm born and raised in New York City in Queens. I guess I was maybe born in Brooklyn and raised in Queens. I'm, uh, I've lived in Manhattan and Brooklyn now. And uh, it's just, it's the best place to be, man. <laughs> it's just it's just an awesome, awesome place to be. Uh, you know, I love that the, the kingdom will have every nation, tribe, people, na- and tongue. And we've got that. We, you know, in New York City, we've got 200 nationalities, 800 languages being spoken. Uh, and, and in the streets and often on the subways, you know, and I've stumbled into the and celebrated the Ukrainian National Independence Day, the Brazilian, uh, the Afghanistani, the uh, Trinidadian. I've done all of those just by walking around and finding, oh, I guess it's Independence Day for for the West Indies today. <laughs> and you just get to celebrate uh, every culture it's just this amazing collision of ideas. You're upstream of culture. I just feel like it's so it's such an amazing place uh, where culture is being made. I mean, I take my kids to a friend's house to play, and there's an Emmy on the mantle because the the mother is involved with you know th- you know film production or something, and it's like, wow, you know. Uh, I live a few blocks from the creators of Frozen, you know, perhaps you've heard of it. So if I reach my neighbors in New York City, I'm reaching people that are shaping their fields, you know, and it's really it's a it's a very strategic place to be. And we need more Christians uh, to move to New York. We need to mint more Christians in New York. Um, It's just so strategic. I, I compare it to. Uh, the way that Paul looked at Rome is how uh, we really need to look at New York and L.A. right now. Like those yeah. those two cities shape world culture unlike any other cities. And uh, we have to reach New York and and I'll, I'll throw it in there for L.A. too. So. <laughs> nice. So how with the culture, you know, you talk about these New York City, L.A., their culture centers of the world. A lot is happening there that gets kind of made for the masses, yes. gets told to the masses. Yes. Um, so Christianity, of course, isn't very popular <laughs> in the mainstream kind of culture. Mm-hmm. 
So how how do you find it? Um, yeah, how are you able to engage meaningfully with with the culture that isn't Christian and even rejecting of Christianity? Yeah, well, I mean, I always think people really don't know what they're rejecting. Uh, they, uh, you know, I I think the media impressions, you know, f- for um, are so negative, you know, and it's it's impossibly negative. It's a, a very difficult to find. Uh, a positive news article or or you know some something on TV or or the theater that kind of uh, supports what's really true the kind of the kind of Jesus you've met the kind of Jesus people you and I've met um, and experienced that that say wow this is incredible this is what the world needs you know but there's they're everywhere but their stories are not getting told and it's not uh so we do need pe- christians to enter the arts we need christians to tell these stories as honest journalists those kind of things um but i don't think people know about grace they think they know about christianity they're rejecting really christian dumb and and a uh, christianity that's kind of like become married to politics married to some oppressive you know um you know policies that they disagree with but they they have not they don't know what grace is at all they don't know the story of grace and they don't they haven't experienced it personally so i i always think it's so powerful for a christian to just give one positive touch to to a non-believer because even just one encounter where you identify with Jesus and they thought well that person seemed normal and maybe it was kind of funny and seemed intelligent and didn't you know oppress me or whatever they they end up that displaces i want to say 20 negative media impressions maybe 50 maybe 100 even you know uh, but un- until we really do it personally I think the problem is that, um, you know, the my Christian friends have gone into the closet over the last 20 years and have ha, are hiding their faith. They don't want to af- offend or don't want to do damage, so they're not identifying with Jesus or doing anything. But that's the greatest damage you can do, actually, is going silent. Silence equals death. Silence equals the death of witness. There's, there's no opportunity for people to have any positive impressions of what Christianity is if you somehow are just trying to model something and not being verbal with it or not being forward with it or not being invitational with it. We need to live invitational lives mm. and invite other people in because, man, this is too good to hoard to ourselves, that's for sure. Yeah. I love this idea of um, <clears throat> the, the positive. You know, being a po- normal, positive person can cancel out so many right. of the negative things. Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting. And it's disproportionate, so, too. Yeah. So as you as you've done evangelism in the city, um, yeah, what's the general reception to you? Oh, I'm really amazed. At, I'm really amazed because you know uh, I've been a Christian in New York City for a long time. I, I left for eight years, um, but the rest of my life has been there. And I remember being in college and feeling like everybody was like, "I've heard that already," you know. No, thank you. And we ran into that when, you know, that was 30 years ago. I don't mind saying publicly. Um, but, you know, what we found recently is the culture has become so post-Christian and people have been silent about their faith for so long that if you either identify as a Christian or or actually try to share some of the gospel with people, even strangers, they'll be intrigued more than anything else. They'll be drawn in. They'll be like, really? You 
you believe that. Oh, wow. Tell me more about that. Like, what is that about? You know, uh, and it's not, you know, get away from me. Uh, it's it's intrigue. It's interest. It's uh, getting drawn in. And, you know, we have been I mean, one of the, my favorite things to do uh, uh, with friends and, you know, after we've uh, prayed about it and stuff is just to, you know, uh, kind of approach you know strangers and and ask you know what about their spiritual lives and and what we found is you know uh in talking to people kind of initiating spiritual conversations and seeing where it goes uh, when you do that um we call it initiatory outreach uh or community outreach we actually just call it community outreach and uh hey we're just doing community outreach today just wondering how you're doing want to talk to people about their faith journeys uh would you be open to chatting the first person we talk to usually is like uh, not really and they put their headphones back in or whatever and they you know not interested the second second person inevitably seems uh is open and chats for a few five ten minutes and it's over and it was a nice conversation. Again, I think that moved them closer. And then the third person we get into a half hour, 45 minute conversation with, they're fascinated by what we are talking about and representing and, and love talking about their own journey that no one's ever asked them about, you know, and, and they want more and they give us, they, they want to exchange contact information. They want to keep in touch. That's the average. That, I'm, I'm not lying. Like that's a 33% success rate like success, like actually it's probably 66% given what I said earlier, but, but it's like, wow, that's a, that's not a, like difficult, uh, you know, ground. I mean, that's, that's ripe for, you know, people to be open to hearing about the true gospel and, and you're not forcing anything on them. You're just being really straightforward and, uh, people are very, you know, uh, uh, open to that. So it's been a joy. So we found that helpful. Yeah, that's a that was a great story. I think that's really encouraging to to hear yeah. that in a place like Not that, <clears throat> there can be yeah, two out of every three will at least have a conversation. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is amazing. That's the world we live in. It's post Christian, and everyone thinks that's horrific, but wasn't you know the first century Christianity that we see displayed in the New Testament entirely pre Christian? I mean, it was. It, we're entering a season that's very similar to what the, the first apostles faced. And it actually encourages me because I'm, I'm kind of like, well, maybe it's better than having to fight a lot of misconceptions about Christianity, although we're still doing that. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's people are open because they've never heard the true gospel. And the same thing happened in the first century. They were like, what is this? And the gospel spread through gossip. Uh, people actually were like, have you heard this thing about grace? These people... They don't share their marriage bed. They're sharing their food with everybody. They're like, uh, they're they're selling property and, and giving the money away to the poor and and to each other and supporting each other. And they love each other so much. And and they doesn't matter what your past is. Like you're forgiven. Like you're totally forgiven. Like you don't have to make up for it. It's not penance. It's just repentance. And it's a radical idea. People haven't heard that before and and just like they didn't hear it before in the first century so wow that's <laughs> a really, really good point it's exciting <laughs> i think something else i'm curious about is i think in in the u.s it's a pretty we're pretty polarized mm -hmm. you're either on one side of an issue mm -hmm. or the other yeah there's hardly a middle ground mm -hmm. i think not even just christian and non-christian but even within christian circles people are divided mm -hmm. on certain issues so i'm just really i think i tend to shy away 
mm. from even engaging in those things because it's the the emotional energy just shoots up right? right and it gets really difficult and then it's an argument and I've had so many arguments I feel like over the past couple of years mm. <laughs> um, about a lot of different things. Right, right. So I would just be curious how do you how do you manage that tension? How do you share Christ? How do you make disciples in such a polarizing kind of environment yeah. that we live in? Yeah. <clears throat> I've been reading through Romans lately and uh, the and Ephesians 2 also talks about the, the 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 wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. You couldn't get more polarized than the Jews and the Gentiles in the first century. They did they hated each other, didn't understand each other at all. The wall was enormous. It was almost insurmountable, but the gospel had the power to break it down. And the gospel's the great leveler of of all people. We're all level at the foot of the cross. All of us are sinners in need of a savior. And we can't look down on anyone. That's the one of the countless benefits of the gospel is that it it takes away our pride. I, I'm not a believer because I somehow figured something out that other can, other people can't figure out. I'm just a receiver of a gift, you know, and anyone can be a receiver of a gift. So it just uh, is such an amazing opportunity that we have to uh, not look down at the other side and say, you know what, there's very good reasons that even though the other side seems unreasonable from whatever side you're on. Uh, and and appalling to you. Uh, try not to feel that because there's reasons they have. They're on that side, and they're thinking that way. And the best thing you can do is talk to them. The best thing you can do is to real have real conversations, not Twitter conversations, not not Facebook comments, but like have real conversations and break down the wall of hostility uh, with with the gospel. You know, and and that comes through communication. You know, I I also just read, you know. Uh, a scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Wow. I mean, for him to write that in that time, no difference, really? The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I think the emphasis on, in that f- famous phrase is not, you know, on the theology so much, uh, the other parts of the theology so much as the first word, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it doesn't matter who you are or where you're coming from, you know, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hurt until someone sh- speaks with them and shares with them? So this is, it's all about communication. The, the problem in the world is broken relationship. The solution in the world is restored relationship and initiating relationship and across across boundaries and it's i love what jim luby talks about with pq uh having perspective quotient like you heard eq iq this is this is the ability to turn and issue around in your mind and 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 look at all sides of it and say i can see from your perspective, how you're you're doing that, yeah. and as believers and as ministers as ministers of reconciliation, what we really need to do is say, "Let me articulate your side for you." Uh, I, I want to articulate your side for you. I mean, you don't say it that way, I guess, but you just <laughs> start articulating. You say, "I understand why you think X, Y, and isn't it true that those lead to A, B, and C, and that will be your 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 fear, you know, in the future, you know?" And they're like, "Yes, that's better articulated than any than how I could put it." And then, you, and then you loop out of that and say, well, actually, 
you know, what you're pointing to is, is the gospel or what you're pointing to is, is something else. And I can see why you think that. And I could totally understand that. It's so validating to hear someone say that and to have your side articulated even better than you could articulate it. So Tim Keller does a masterful job of this in his, in his works. And, uh, and I rec highly recommend this book, uh, Telling a Better Story, How to Talk About God in a S Skeptical Age by Joshua Chatraw. Amazing. He's talking about a, um, an inside-out apologetic where you go inside the stories of other people and the stories they're living, whether it's a story of consumerism or romance or achievement, and you say, I understand what you're pursuing, but what you're looking for was does, was can never be fulfilled by these things that the world offers. You've got to peel. I'm inside your story, but I've got to peel out to a better story. This all points out to the gospel story. You were created by a God who meant for you to achieve great things, who meant to fulfill your heart and longing for love, you know, who, who meant to satisfy you and, and make you feel like content and like you have enough. But you don't get it through all of these methods that the, the world offers. I'm offering you what the gospel offers you is something far beyond, far more satisfying and, and totally complete. So highly recommend that book. Uh, and yeah, I've been saying, tell a, we need to tell a better story than the world for 20 years. And this is the first book that says, here's how to do it. So I, yeah, uh, run out and buy it. And he's, he's not <laughs> making me, he's not giving me any kickbacks for this, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And what I love about what you were sharing there is you're, I think what I really hear you doing is you're really understanding and winning that person. Mm, yeah. You're saying, hey, who you are, what you think is actually valuable and meaningful to me. Yeah. So I think that is such a big, um, even just a ministry to people yeah. is just that fact that they can be heard and seen and be reflected back. Here's what, here's what I hear you saying. Is this mm -hmm. what you're saying? And yeah. for them to be like, Yes, yeah. I think I've had moments like that where people, yeah, um, have drawn me out. You and really it's get like, me. Yes, yeah. okay, like, yes. And then it's like, for me, it goes a step further. Where I'm like, okay, you get me, and I actually trust you, yeah, because you took the time to really get there with yeah. me, yeah. Um, I think that's such a huge. It, without even sharing the gospel in there, I think that's such a ministry mm -hmm. yep. is for people to just be seen and heard, yep. um, versus because I think the people I've had conversations with where I'm trying to understand where they're at on certain issues. And then I, I kind of comes out that fear really is driving that. Mm, mm. So I'm like, okay, well let's, yeah. well, let's pray about that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. let's, let's talk issues. about what the fear yeah. is and let's do that's that right. together versus, you know, picking a side and sticking right. to it. That's right. And that's so, that's right. That's so great. Yeah. Um, so how, I love what you said about going inside, go get into their story and then peeling out to a better story. Mm -hmm. Um, because at the, at the, I think at the end of the day, the gospel is always going to be on some level mm. unattractive or offensive, however you want to say mm -hmm. that. So I think there can be this tendency sometimes. I think when I was a student um, on campus, I struggled with, I want to become friends with people who aren't Christian, but then I'm really not going to talk about Jesus for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Which at the end, which ultimately I just kind of looked like yeah. them. Yeah. So how do you, how would you encourage people to balance that tension of being in the culture but not of the culture? Oh yeah, that's it. And isn't that amazing that Jesus prayed that explicitly in John 17 that uh that they would be in the world but not of it. Um and 
you know, that's that's what he from the very beginning of his ministry talked about salt and light, you know, that we want to, that we're meant to be in the world as salt. We're useless if we're in the salt shaker in the cabinet. You know, we need to be in the world, uh, but not um, you know, not being more influenced than we're being influ influential, you know, and that's the challenge is to be more of an influence than you are influential. I'm keeping my kids in the public schools of New York City partially so that they can be an influence and understand what the other what the world is, you know, teaching and stuff. And that's a conviction that of my wife and I that we really want them to be very familiar with the the alternative perspectives and art and, and arguments uh, so that they can offer a rebuttal, offer a better way uh, to people that really are believing those things. So so it's to be in the world and not and not of it uh it takes it takes several things it takes you know uh i love what um i love what uh one pastor once uh shared a, an equation uh hp plus uh cp plus cc equals mi isn't that an amazing equation <laughs> it means uh hp is high potency you have to have a high potent relationship with God for you know deep abiding in Jesus for it to overflow out of you and I'm just so excited right now about Hosea and 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 Romans what I read about that uh, you know recently that I want to talk about it with with anybody that wants to listen you know because it meant it's been so uh, spoke so much to me so high potency is the first step and that's if you're if you're trying to live in the world but not of it and you don't have that deep abiding hmm. it's over you know game over like you're you're going to be influenced more than you're influential absolutely uh the second one is close proximity cp is close proximity and that's are you you know are you living among people that don't follow jesus you know do you have friendships like if you list so go ahead and list uh the the friends that you have spent time with or have had a meal with over the last two weeks uh, and then cross off any Christians. Are, is there anyone left? Like, are you having meals with and having and hanging hanging out with anyone who's not already a believer? If, and you know, you need to be in close proximity with people in order to communicate the gospel with non-believers. Um, and then the last one is clear communication to have a a, an, a real good grasp of what the gospel is, what it's not. Um, you know, I love the article from Tim Keller, The Centrality of the Gospel. It's one of the most beautiful 12 pages outside the Bible uh, in the world. And it's it's so powerful, so potent. It's available on online. Gospelinlife.com is one place. Redeemer.com is, is a place where you can find that. But, uh, you know, uh, just have a clear grasp of what the gospel is and how it speaks to culture today. Um and even if you don't, don't be overwhelmed by that either. If you understand a very little bit about the gospel, communicate that. So HP plus CP plus CC equals MI, maximum impact. So that's going to maximize your impact. The more you make sure that usually one of, all of us have one of those that's kind of weak or missing and uh, or more. Uh, and there's, to have maximum impact, you just have to have all three. So. Wow, I love that. I had yep. never heard that formula That's before. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if I get a tattoo someday, maybe I'll do it. Uh, but... That'd be quite the tattoo. That's right. That'd be its own evangelism tool, right? That's right. Because That's right. anyone That's would right. be curious about why you have these, right. these, I'll probably, these letters. There's probably better ones, but yeah. Okay. This That's algebra right. equation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what What in your life, what, what disciplines or practices um, 
to help you to keep walking closely with mm. Jesus, to keep experiencing that that goodness, that transformation in your life? Yeah, oh, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, yeah, I just, I mean, uh, I love, I think, I, I mean, part of it is uh, loving the the wheel illustration. I'm, uh, it's interesting that my mind's going there, but like, if you're familiar with the Navigator wheel illustration, which is on navlinks slash <laughs> <laughs> the wheel, um, it's, um, you know, it's abiding deeply in God's word. I mean, uh, last night someone said, what do you like about the navigators? And I said, pages and sages. And I meant uh, when I open the, the pages of the Bible, it's not just words on a page. It's not a manual for how to be good. It's like, it's on fire. It's like people in my life who've shown me how to open the Bible, how to read the Bible, uh, now it's like I'm sitting with the author every day and and he's bringing up different words to me and and asking me to change my life in response to it. And I mean, that's living. It's unlike any other encounter or conversation I have all day. It's under, unlike any other book I'll read. It's under, unlike anything else. It's unlike anything I'll find on social, social media, that's for sure. But like, it's just, my goodness, it's words of life. It's words of life. Uh, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? These are the words of eternal life. So uh, pages and sages, uh, you know, I've met many people that are walking with Jesus faithfully. I've had incredible lives and of impact and, and consequence and marriages that are just beautiful and kids that are that are good 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 for the world you know and 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 that's all the fruit uh, they're oaks of righteousness basically they they are the fruit of of putting roots deep in uh in the ground and with with God every day so um yeah i would certainly say the uh the pages of the bible uh just trying to apply that to my life and re really trying to learn one thing do one thing like like really like not let it just be oh i completed i do have devotional readings where i get I'm trying to get through the bible in a year which means for me a year and a half or two or three years but <laughs> uh but you know i do do have that discipline but really it's a it's about living it out and god wants me to live it out more than he wants me to just get through a reading so um, so abiding in the word in prayer, I, I really need to grow in prayer, but man, I, I find, I have a prayer list that I've been, uh, using and, you know, just, uh, that's grown over time, but like, that's, that's really helpful for me to kind of pray for, uh, different things every day. And then, um, you know, fellowship with others who are more mature than me, uh, and that can disciple me either directly and intentionally, or just, through their readings or writings or through, you know, um, uh, through fellowship and, and then actual, I think witness, I, I do think outreach is an essential part because when I share the gospel or even share a piece of it or identify with Jesus, let's say I tell someone about the joy and peace of the gospel and then I walk away and I, I realize, and I haven't felt joy or peace for two weeks. It drives me to Jesus, and I go back to Jesus, and I say, oh, God, I just told somebody about joy and peace. I, I haven't felt that in two weeks, and that's what he wants. So he, he uses outreach to, to show us where our hearts are, mm -hmm. and, he, and he draws us back in. So that's another discipline that helps. Living in New York City, silence is an amazing gift, the discipline of silence of just I try to start my quiet time or my prayer times with like just silence, just listening to the Lord and, and quieting my busy heart and my loud heart um 
uh, my my restless heart. And and it works. It really, you know, and sometimes that goes on for a long time. And but it's just really the the discipline of silence is a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's been things like that uh, have have helped me a lot. And um, yeah, I would say those those are some of the disciplines that really that really help. And the discipline of generosity and trying to have an open hand at all times. You know, that also teaches me about the gospel. Anything that kind of can help me remind me of what the gospel is about is a powerful spiritual discipline that will reshape my heart every day. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah so how, how would you encourage people that are maybe listening who live in neighborhoods, cities, mm -hmm. small towns, mm -hmm. how would you encourage them to start really kind of outreaching in their community? Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, people, uh, you know, I, uh, my own story, you know, I grew up in New York City and it's, uh, it's very easy to uh, uh, think you're important because of where you're from. Uh, and I fell into that. God took me out of the city for eight years, uh, and eventually I had a cornfield in my backyard. Uh, Where did and, he take you? Out of the city uh, he took too? me uh, to uh, uh, north of Boston uh, to like a, a county that had more horses than people in it uh, <laughs> for seminary, and then to Boston, and then to um, and then to Penn State, which is State College, population eight, eighty thousand. That's where I had a cornfield in my backyard. <laughs> Wonderful places. And what he taught me in those places was, you know what, Peter. <laughs> You're not something because you're from New York. You know that 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 shouldn't be like some a place where you're getting identity from. You know what what you should be looking at is uh, the fact that you're surrounded by people right now with the cornfield in your backyard uh, that I love and want to reach. So wherever you are, God loves them and wants to reach them. It, you don't have to be in a city to have impact. I mean, it, there's uh, there's ways that it's strategic. We need to as a church. Broadly, we need to sacrifice to reach the cities again and then make sure that we have a vision for that and have God's heart for the city, God's vision for the city. Um, that's another podcast probably. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, the reality is God loves people wherever they are and wants to reach them. And, you know, Jesus came from Nazareth. You know, he can do tons of stuff wherever you, wherever you are, you know, and, and, uh, and, and Jesus, you know, he didn't try to go to the most populated city in the world to do ministry. He just... He just loves, he blessed the many and he invested in a few. So we need to bless the many, as many as possible. Jesus did that through feeding and teaching and healing and investing in a few, going deep with a few, which is what he really focused on actually. And what we tend not to focus on at all today. And, uh, it, and what we really need to do is focus on the few, discipling a few so that they'll disciple others to disciple others. I think the fact that we're interacting with this podcast right now is a result not of Jesus' healing ministry or even his teaching ministry, which I think were demonstrations and expressions and articulations of the kingdom, but because he made disciples who made disciples who made disciples who eventually made a disciple who made you a disciple. So that's how we have to pass it on. That's Jesus' model. That's the master's plan for world evangelization. We need to embrace that model. He's given us a model. Let's do it, you know? So, yeah. but it can't just be, I think the church generally today is relying too much on large group and small group and not emphasizing enough people sitting across the table from each other and saying, you know, 
I think you're not really living out what the scriptures say. <laughs> or I want to encourage you. I see the kingdom of God in you. You know, uh, There's just so much that can be accomplished in the one-on-one or the one-on-a few uh, that can't be accomplished in the, broad, the broader setting. So um, we, need, we need all three. We need all three. We need a large group, small group, and, and one-on-one personal discipleship. Yeah. Wow. Well, Peter, thanks for being here. Thanks, man. I really it's a enjoyed privilege. this. I feel like yes. I need to just do something with my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. I appreciate you, Ethan. And we'll be praying for you in Ireland and grateful for your life. Thank you for laying your life down the way you are. And uh, thank you guys for all you're doing. And thank everybody that's listening to this podcast for like uh, wanting to be you know, available to God. He will use you. He will use you. He will use you. The one who called you is faithful. He will do it. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org.